Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Amateur Theory Podcast. Like always, we got a great episode for you today. Um, we're going to talk about the new Mortal Kombat trailer, which is kind of exciting. And we're going to talk about the uh, new HBO exclusive, or HBO exclusive, also you can see it in theaters, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which was a very, very cool movie. So, uh, But before we start with that, just a little bit of a shameless self-promotion. You see, my kind of side job, besides my full-time podcast duties, obviously, this is... <laughs> One of your I many actually, side uh, muscles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, um, I write for uh, my university. I, I write uh, for um, University of Maryland. And uh, my writings are for the business school, so they tend to have like a, a business or like a marketing lens is usually what I'm writing from. But this time I got to write an article that was about uh, Cobra Kai. If you watch this podcast regularly, you know I'm a huge fan. <laughs> so I wrote an article about Cobra Kai um, and uh, I thought I would just seeing that it's it's somewhat related to this. I, I figured I'd, you know, just talk about it briefly. I'll include the, uh, the link to the article if you're interested in it in the description of this video if you want to read it. Uh, but essentially, it was just talking about how, you know, so Cobra Kai started out as a YouTube uh, exclusive. So it was part of YouTube Red at the time, now YouTube Premium. And then it got sold to Netflix. And it was just kind of talking about, like, why that happened. And the the big reason is, you know, to kind of cut to the chase, is that people don't go to YouTube to watch TV shows. They go to watch YouTuber, YouTubers, right? Like, it's just not the kind of content that people want. So even though, you know, it's it was a good show even back then on YouTube, it just wasn't uh, it wasn't selling subscriptions because when you, you, you don't get a YouTube uh, premium subscription for shows, you get it to get rid of ads like that. That's the real reason anyone's going to subscribe to YouTube. So it didn't make sense for YouTube to spend money producing these highly scripted shows when it wasn't actually giving them making anybody subscribe to the service. So they sold to Netflix. And Netflix, of course, was perfect for it because they're all about the 80s nostalgia. You know, we've all seen Stranger Things. So Cobra Kai was perfect for their kind of business model. And it became one of the most successful shows in the service. So if that sounds interesting to you, that's a little, you know, kind of synopsis. It's a little short, fun article. If you want to read it, again, the uh, description will be or the, the link will be in the description. Yeah, and that's the thing. How many people even have like YouTube premium? Like, it is 20 million compared to 200 million Netflix subscribers. Yeah, I was just going to say, no one I know has YouTube premium, but like most people I know like have access to Netflix. So, And the thing is, is I feel like most people who have YouTube premium, I don't know, I didn't actually research this, but it's just a hunch because they, they advertise the free trials for it so much. How much you want to bet? At least half, if not more, of those subscriptions, I wonder, for free trials. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, every time I go to YouTube, it's always the first thing I see. Like, do you want a YouTube premium free trial? <laughs> every time. And uh, YouTube premium, isn't that uh, isn't one of the benefits that there are no ads and things like yeah, that? Yeah, that's so why you there, it. It, Yeah, it's, there's, it, it could be that 10 million of those people are paying for it for a different reason yeah i'm sure i like even if i and i i've done the free trial for youtube premium to get rid of the ads mm. and i didn't even know that cobra kai existed at the time <laughs> i think it did but i just didn't know about it 
<laughs> so, and I mean, I, I love the show. I, like, I totally would have liked it. But even if I had known about it, I don't know if I would have chosen to watch it on YouTube anyway. <laughs> like, it's just not how I watch shows. I just don't think to do that. Yeah, so. no one goes to YouTube to watch, like, shows. Like, yeah. Whereas when you go on Netflix, you're very specific, specifically going to watch a show or a movie. Um, but YouTube, yeah, people just use it for, like, music half the time. And the other times, like, yeah, like, YouTube personalities or whatever. Or ASMR. <laughs> the big third appeals. <laughs> or, or uh, like, temporarily stopping the game they're playing to watch somebody else play that game. That's what YouTube is. That's it. That's it. There, there isn't anything else there on that platform. Oh, by the way, you know how Rule 34 is a thing? I want to create a new rule. Rule, like, 35 or 36 or whatever, depending how many there are. Whereas... If something exists, someone's done an ASMR version of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> uh, let's uh, talk about this uh, Mortal Kombat trailer, which just came out um, about a week ago. And uh, JL, I'm really curious about your perspective because I know you are a fan of the original um, oh, the original Mortal movie. Kombat, yeah, movie. So, how did this trailer uh, look in comparison to that? It well, this is the thing. I am a fan of the original movie because I saw it when I was like ten years old. So, <laughs> the perfect age to watch something like that. This looks. I don't, it kind of just looks more of like the same, just updated. I mean, a big thing I think back when um the original movie came out was that it was like a pg-13 movie for this like video game that was known for its famously rated m yeah Yeah. um but it looks like this movie i mean the trailer we watched was red bands and i mean there were like swear words and like blood and gore so i guess this is like more hardcore like true mortal Kombat is Um, (laughs) but i mean it's like they're sticking to the uh the the true plot of the game there is a yeah, tournament the, called Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Mortal Kombat, like, uh, heavily venerated for its fantastic plot and just <laughs> intricacy <laughs> of the storyline. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's just an excuse to have people fight. I mean, as long as you have, like, cool fight scenes and, like, a, like the like base amount of characterization like this doesn't need to be war and peace but make like the characters just like engaging and then have them fight and have the fight scenes be cool and that's that's really all you need for a kind of movie like this i mean it's a movie based on a freaking fighting game like what do you what are you supposed to do yeah i feel like i feel like the only job of this movie is like the 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 commercial at least sold me that sold to me that the choreography is going to be pretty cool okay so they that's 70% of the job they needed to do <laughs> all you need to do now is actually give me a reason to care about the outcome of any given fight and i'm in i i, I don't know i'm kind of excited i'd like to see it okay see so yeah, that's the the question that i want to ask we did this with the uh the Kong versus Godzilla uh, trailer, I think it's a good question for a trailer. Does this make you, having seen this trailer, does this make you more hyped, less hyped, or just the same as if you had heard it was a Mortal Kombat movie? 
I think about just the same. I mean, the trailer is certainly not bad or anything. It was basically what I was expecting. Mm. Information. It's like, oh, there's this secret tournament. And then it introduces all the characters. It's like, I'm Liu Kang. I'm Kane. <laughs> That's Sub Zero. <laughs> it's like, this is exactly what I was, I was expecting. And that's fine. I mean, because that's what this franchise basically lives on these characters that just like punch each other into like a bloody pulp. Um, I had pretty much the exact same feelings. What about you, Adam? Did this make you more hyped? Um, put cautiously put me in the more hyped. Um, category here. Um, I don't know. It's like the only way that this, when it comes to video game films, um, I feel like one of you can often tell in the commercial that uh, there this is a lower class of film. This genre, it just it, it, it always comes through, right? Um, and yet. Uh, this is the one of the few movie video game movies that I feel like um, is like obviously trailers are supposed to get you interested, right? But um, there is it didn't do anything to make me think that it would break its promise, if that makes sense. So yeah, I I don't know, kind of interested. I'd like to see it. Before we leave this segment, I just want to go on a little mini rant because I just actually just bought. Um, Mortal Kombat for Switch, the physical copy. Mm-hmm. And there, it requires a download when you put it in the cart that is bigger than the memory for the entirety of the Switch. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, why would you do that? Like, don't even of sell course. me the cart. Don't even pretend <laughs> that there's anything on this this thing, right? Like, if it, you're basically downloading the entirety of the game. You know, it's just for show. And then you have to you have to download like an extra external hard drive, which is going to be completely filled up by Mortal Kombat now. Wait, wait, I, just, wait, I can't wait, believe wait. I just, I felt so scammed. Like I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this game. I don't I don't know. If I'm going <laughs> to like invest in spending like some giant SD card just to fit this. Like, is it even worth it? I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, this begs the question: what, what What's in Mortal Kombat that could possibly be that large? It's just, it's, it's just Mortal Kombat. Like what? I'm I'm used to having to like delete some games to make room for new games. Like uh, uh, but like I could have deleted my entire library, and it was not big enough. I just, I couldn't believe <laughs> it. Like I could not believe it that it took that much space. This is unbelievable. Gotta fit that library of different temples in different parts of the world like what's causing the size i'm sorry it's killing me it's because there's a huge soundtrack and all the files are in like super lossless quality like they're all like black files pristine that's what the mortal combat sounds and you know what so i have also have the witcher 3 the entire game is on the disc on the cartridge it doesn't need a single download for the witcher 3 but then mortal combat needs the entirety of my Switch's memory in addition to the cart. That Two just, of it those made me characters so look exactly the same. They're like different maybe so color mad. vest, isn't it? Like <laughs> I know. Like, it's like the blue ninja or the yellow ninja. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Hey, their costumes look a little different nowadays. We've got, <laughs> we've got fancier graphics. We <laughs> 
But okay. Moving on to the the main content, the big movie we all saw, um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, starting as we always do with a spoiler-free top line, how did you feel about the movie? Like it, dislike it, you know, top reasons why. Um, so I'm gonna just gonna throw out a easy recommendation here. Uh, it's just it's just good at everything it does. Um, it's paced in kind of an exciting way, kind of almost like a um, uh, noir kind of political paced kind of film. Um, the acting is phenomenal. Uh, the script is good. Um, it's got a really creative use of uh, the soundtrack, I feel like. Um, it, uh, I don't know, I'm just thinking back on it, and it just didn't feel like it was bad at, what ev- at anything it was trying to do. So, like yeah, I also want to uh, call special attention to the acting, particularly the lead, just did such a killer job at being like this, because like this was a very um, charismatic person who's able to like amass a movement around him, right? So you better be like real charismatic in your role, and he killed it. Like actually, like he seemed like the kind of person like yeah, I'd go to a rally with this guy, like. You know, why not? <laughs> so um, it just, I, I was, uh, to me, he was the, uh, the, and actually I would say the agent and the, um, also the person who was the, uh, the double agent guy were also stellar. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Kaluuya is, um, Fred Hampton is, yeah, fantastic. Like when he gives the speeches in the movies, like you feel like energized too just as an audience member watching the film and i also really like and the other lead on lakeith stanfield as the um fbi informant he's uh he's certainly good too like he holds his own against an already like incredible performance and and actually if i um have a criticism of the movie i wish i could have seen i think more just between them and Mm. And I don't know this. I don't know how valid this criticism is because it kind of. Because I think I kind of wanted maybe a more like tighter script. Like this seems kind of like stretched out and thin, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, depending on um, the uh, intentions of the filmmakers. But I wish I could have seen more of, I think, their like relationship, like build ups. Um, I mean, like, yeah, you know enough. it's going to happen because, well, it's based on history and just from the title of the film. But I think that's the danger of all, like, biopics or historic things that are based on history is that you you want to span all this time, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, the interesting beats happen in, you know, they don't all happen in succession necessarily. So how do you kind of write that while still maintaining a tight story? And not making it seem as if like these are all disparate events, like these are all related. Yeah, it's hard to do. And and I just want to say, like, it's not that big of a problem at all for me. It's like this is a fantastic movie. You should definitely watch it. Gets my recommendation. That's like if I had to like come up with a criticism, like that's the one thing I could think of. Oh, uh, you know, I think that one of the things that really drew me to this movie. Um, is that so I, I can see where you're coming from that uh, this is really doesn't feel like a deep dive 
into a character at, at any point in the film. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that one of the things that maybe impressed me was kind of how economical they were able to convey certain motivations in certain parts by they oh i felt like a lot of scenes were playing a lot of different rules for a lot of different um characters uh in that this movie um and so i i can see how that would make it kind of come across as maybe a not quite as in depth as maybe it could be um but at the same time i i kind of also admired it for that same thing admired that they were that they were able to do so much with such a so many things happening we still kind of got a sense of the arc of both characters without even really going super deep into them so yeah i don't know i liked it yeah i'll, I'll say that um the the pacing is admirable because i think that if you had made it you know i think you could have had more kind of um you know one-to-one conversations between different characters to flesh them out like you could have done that but then that would have added to the runtime to its detriment i think I think it's just like a very, very good length. Like it, um, yeah, everything happened at a fairly, fairly brisk pace. Every, every like uh, scene was, had a purpose. It wasn't just, you know, you were learning something every scene. I guess that, you know, I don't know how, if it was done well, I'm sure you could make it a three hour movie and still be good, you know, like anything. But, um, you know, I, I, I appreciated its length. I thought it was, it did what it, it did everything it needed to in the, in the time span you gave it to you. Yeah, I'd agree with you about the pacing. It's This is a hard movie to get like bored with because it's just kind of always moving along, um, which is, yeah, like the movie's, I think, a little over two hours. It doesn't really like, it doesn't feel that length because there are some movies that are that length and it feels like twice as long as it really is. Yeah. But this, like, it's got a very good flow. Like you just like, okay. It's kind of a rhythm to it, almost. So this is, once again, sounding like uh, all of us are recommending. We need to watch yeah, it definitely again sometime. <laughs> yeah, we should. We've been watching too many good movies. I'm just sick of all, all of this quality, man. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, this, this movie is great. Um, totally it's it's interesting from both a a movie standpoint and also it's just a a piece of history that i think is just not as covered as other time periods like how many world war ii movies are there how many you know civil war like there's a there's a million things that we all know about this is something that is um i learned stuff like i learned and if you look at how historically accurate it is it's you know obviously takes some liberties but it's it's not too far off of the reality of what actually happened. And it is very interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a pretty relevant movie to like what's going on uh, nowadays. There's definitely lots of parallels to draw. Like, obviously, like, I yeah. think that's a big reason why the movie was made. Um, so yeah, watch. Yeah, like we, we all recommend it. Like, go watch it. Like, just for like the performances of the two leads alone. Like, that alone sells the movie, I think. Yeah, I believe it'll continue to stream on HBO into March. I don't remember the exact date, but it's uh, maybe like mid-March it'll be gone. So not too long after the release of probably our 
podcast. So I'll try get to on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, so with that, you know, that is going to be the end of the spoiler-free section. So if you have not seen the movie, want to, you know, give it a watch. But, you know, come back because you won't want to miss this engaging discussion. <laughs> uh, so the first thing I thought would be interesting to talk about would be the politics of this. Uh, when I was just kind of like researching the movie a little bit, I saw a New York Times article, which I couldn't read because I don't subscribe to the New York Times. So it was under a paywall. But the, uh, the uh, headline was the most radical politics in a Hollywood movie ever, is what it said. And I, I was thinking about it, and I think I might agree. I can't think, especially when the radical politics, you're supposed to, like, empathize with them. Like, you're supposed to agree with the radical politics. The radical politics are not the bad guy. They're not, like, something that the hero has to oppose. So, like, that was – because, I mean, there is some radical stuff here for sure. You know, we're talking about, like, cop killing – we're talking about Marxism, you know, like it's it's plenty radical, uh, but yet you still they still come out looking better than the uh, like the FBI agents who are trying to sabotage them. And, they and come across looking better than J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to make much of an effort there. Okay. You know, there's, there's multiple scenes where like the FBI agent has to convince the informant that what he's doing is right, right? There's like a scene where like he's like, oh yeah, they're just like the KKK. Yeah, he's that's a line that gets repeated. Yeah, and like, um, and you know, there is uh, he is talking about like killing cops and stuff. So like on the surface level, you could see that maybe that comparison being made. But as you get to know the characters and their motivations and their struggle, you it just becomes clear that that is like not at all comparable, and that that is just an excuse. And it really kind of uh, you have a mask off moment when the um, the uh, uh, Hoover asks the agent. <laughs> yeah, right? he's, he's like, like, "What would you do if your like daughter like dated a black uh, man or something?" Right, exactly. And he's like, "Like we can't have that in America or something like that." Like who's the KKK, right? And actually, what he says there is actually super uh, relevant. He's like, um, "What's at stake is our like American way of life." Because I think that actually that is where the heart of the theme of this movie is: is what um, does it take? What is actually necessary for real positive change? Um, and all, all throughout the movie, we have kind of like this uh, FBI informant who's being uh, torn because he keeps hearing from the FBI his this his mentor, FBI agent, so to kind of speak, um, about. Um, okay, I sympathize with the struggle of like black people, I guess. And this is, um, but you know, there's a right way to do it. There's a right way. And, and uh, they're the black Panther party are terrorists. Okay. Um, that sounds but, really familiar. <laughs> the things I'm hearing these days. <laughs> yeah. So, and so I, uh, there's this kind of idea that there's kind of the normal, the the american way of life like who were saying and that there's kind of maybe this kind of like um this liberalism is really just kind of a facade for what is undeniably just kind of like this racist we get status quo 
So what is real change? Real change occurs because of people who are prepared to make sacrifices and to be brave. And the entire time our character, like Lakeith Stanfield's a character, um, is afraid. He's afraid to do the right thing. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because um uh, uh what I I feel like there's kind of a similar conflict in Fred Hampton, the um Fred Hampton here about what sacrifice or what is create what is change, what is actually like, you know, courageous change as well. So I, I don't know. I, I felt like all it all worked together really well and it yeah, and there was a really interesting dynamic where all like the most radical, violent acts are all done by the FBI as subterfuge. Mm-hmm. So, like, just as, as a couple examples, the uh, the um, kind of like the double agent uh, tries to get um, you know the the Black Panthers to like was it blow up something? Just blow up City Hall. Yeah. yeah, blow up City Hall, and they were just like, "Are you crazy? Like, we're not going to do yeah. that." Yeah. And then also there was uh, uh, like different Black Panther members were like killing people or killing each other because they were informants or whatever. And then right. the, uh, the FBI agent was like, see, I told you they were bad. And then just to learn later that Hoover's like, oh, yeah, that was our guy. Our guy. <laughs> <Yeah. is the laughs> they were behind our, it all along. <laughs> our FBI agents are the ones that are, that are killing. Yep. And so like the it, it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy where the Black Panthers become more violent than they were because the FBI is purposefully making them so, so that they can then kind of retributively uh, attack them. And there's it's kind of a theme that every single time the Black Panthers do violent action, like the, the, there is like shooting of, of police and things in this, but it's always as kind of a, it's like a tit for tat. They, they never fire the first shot, so to speak. Like it's always because of something that was done to them, and then you have this kind of thing about uh, this this theme of the never-ending violence, and kind of what's the solution to that? I don't know if the the film really offers a, an answer to that question, but it does show how toxic that can be. And because even to its to its credit, you know, it does kind of show the police when they start, you know, like Hoover just seems kind of like a bad guy, right? But the, the policemen are a slightly more sympathetic when they start, like, calling these people terrorists because, like, their buddy died, right? And they – so there's this, like, a cycle of violence that happens um, that is really just coming out from a terrible system. And ironically, what could have stopped the violence is if you had kept – if you hadn't imprisoned the leader and they had kept doing things like the Rainbow Coalition, which was just protest, right? But they couldn't have that. So they had to quell it, and that and that quelling is what caused the violence. Right, right. And so this, this, there's this idea that like the status quo is the violence, right? So you have like a figure like Fred Hampton who's kind of like representing a real change, right? And yet, you know, the whole tactics, the whole FBI tactics is, oh, this change is violent. The change is violence, but no, status quo is violence. That's mm-hmm. what the systemic violence is. I yeah um and yeah it told its uh this it conveyed this message but it wasn't at all even a little bit preachy it was absolutely about these characters and the changes they were going through uh like kind of the change in fred hampton as as he kind of grew like he got a family he started to really consider 
um, the implications of what he was saying and how what kind of world he what his real ultimate goal ultimately was he wanted the hospital at the end that's what he yeah. wanted to focus on right um and um uh, and then also the change in um the fbi informant um who starts to become more and more you know uh enamored with like the black panther movement um and yet the you know, the FBI has something on him, right? And then he ultimately has to make a choice. And a story does not require that the your character, your hero has to make the right choice or your character yeah. has to make the right choice. And I mean, just talking about the framing device of the movie, like we're kind of hearing this as like a confessional, right? Mm. Of years later. And then after he confesses about being this Judas, right? This kind of, uh, he like kills himself the day after yeah. doing the interview. Which shows that he like obviously felt very bad about it. Mm. The dinner scene at the end also kind of solidified this. That he was offered money, and he at first resisted, but ended up taking the money in the end, along with like a gas station. That was the reward. That's what Judas actually did too, right? In the Bible, didn't he like sell yeah. Jesus out for like silver pieces or whatever? Or yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because this movie. Like you were talking earlier about, like it might be the most politically radical um, Hollywood film, but it is interesting because while the movie presents a lot of like radical ideas, it never like like Adam said, it's not preachy. It doesn't necessarily push them onto you. It's just presented, and like I guess n definitely not in negative light. Um, I want to say neutral, but I mean like you can tell like where the movie's like politics lean towards um but yeah i think it was they were presented in a very they were woven into the story like very well because it is the story but you are being presented with these ideas maybe almost kind of like subconsciously or whatever yeah and i mean like uh they he did talk about like marxism and kind of communism but it was a little more surface level in terms of that and it, i think that really the focus was on racial justice oh yeah you're not going to learn any theory watching this yeah movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is not dos copied all the movie <laughs> that being said though i mean it does like you know there is a little slightly more than just saying like the word communism like that it is clear that they knew the political philosophies going in and actually, I think that they, they probably did. Yeah, I, like I know the Black Panthers like studied theory and whatnot. Like they were like a socialist um, movement. Um, I mean, that that's what even like Fred Hampton says at the beginning of the film, right? Like we're, we're not going to fight like um, white capitalism with black capitalism. We're going to fight it with socialism. But yeah, there's uh very very good movie what did you guys think about the relationship that the um you know the with the girlfriend who got pregnant i actually kind of like those moments and i like how it presented kind of um uh what's the word i'm looking for here kind of like an inner conflict for fred hampton's character yeah as well he is like a leader and he's like yeah i absolutely sacrificed myself like for this movement and this cause but at the same time, his girlfriend's like, well, you have me and like the 
like baby I'm going to have. Like you have your family to worry about now too. Like you can't just like sacrifice yourself like willy nilly because. But in the end, I mean, he did. He was, I mean, it kind of seemed inevitable. Like it wasn't necessarily his fault. He didn't put himself in a dangerous position. The FBI like blew down his door. And just yeah. like they committed assassination, him. yeah, it was yeah. like yeah. clearly an assassination, like that's historical. Um, yeah, I, um, I thought I also thought that she was like extremely important because it, I feel like there can be a temptation to kind of like focus on him and then just have the audience. Isn't it so sad that he died and like show his like body in like some kind of like absurd Christ-like imagery? Um, but instead it was about the effect it had on the people, you know, he left behind, like on her, we, we, the last scene is focusing on her face, you know, um, at that, on that and not epilogue. It talks about how her and her son would eventually continue the struggle onto this day. Like they, uh, they still have like a, um, I forget what the organization is called, but it's something akin to like the. It, it, it's not quite called the Black Panthers, but it's, it has Black Panther in the name of the organization. I'm liking on the full name. Uh, it's but, like the uh, Cub, Black Panther Cub or something. Yeah, something like, like that. But uh, so they're, they're still doing some kind of like out there. So they're still fighting for the cause. I think they had something to do with the making of this movie. So maybe that's this is part of that mm-hmm. uh, kind of bringing to light this story that I think a lot of people don't really know. I was vaguely aware of of. Kind of, I knew that the Black Panther movement, you know, obviously because everyone knows that. But then also I knew that the FBI was kind of sabotaging them, but I didn't know the whole story. So this was very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I have very limited knowledge, too. I mean, I knew about, like, Fred Hampton and his assassination. And I, like, knew that that's, like, how the movie would end. But, like, other than that, like, I'm actually, yeah, don't really know much. So this was, like, most of this movie was kind of pretty, like, new to me. Would you say that you could recommend this to anyone or is there certain people that you would, uh, um, well, I, I mentioned before in this like spoiler free, uh, video that I felt like it, it didn't, it doesn't do things like in a way that is like, I mentioned before, it's got the pacing of, a you know, just kind of like a political thriller. Um, So I I wouldn't say it's like it's the type of uh, film you only show patient friends by any means. I think it it, I think you could. I think it's pretty accessible. Yeah. 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 It's it's just entertaining enough. It's not necessarily like a movie you throw on at a party necessarily. (laughs) But um, it's it's the kind of movie that like uh, I, I do think this would have a broad appeal despite its, you know, very poignant themes and maybe even because of them. Um that it, this is not like uh, some esoteric artsy film. Like this is totally. This Scott. isn't. I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, and it's the boyfriend, Pines. and I'm thinking cool. of ending things. Is the FBI agent yeah. in this film? He's in a bunch of stuff, and he always plays the same creepy guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like that thing down. <laughs> he does it well, so. But yeah, overall, a uh, very, very solid film that, you know, I, yeah, I, I think I could recommend it to pretty much anybody. I think that anyone could come out appreciating aspects of this movie. So, yeah, and it's the 
it's the director's i think it's only a second film um shaka king um mm. and uh yeah for like o- only your second feature like it's a really well-made movie and your first feature i think their first feature was also a like a stoner comedy I oh. I don't know anything about oh, yeah. it. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's just this is such a, like a one eighty from <laughs> that kind of material. Well, I mean, if you can do it well, then why not? Hey, yeah, maybe we'll start seeing more movies from this guy. But, yeah, right. I mean, hope so. This was well made, so I'd love to see. Um, I'd love to see this director uh, make more films. Same. But all right. That uh, wraps up that. Uh, we'll end as we usually do with what we've been watching. And I have one that I, wa- I want to talk about, so I'll start. Okay. I saw the most horrendous movie. Um, oh, gosh, what's it called? It's the newest Ghibli movie. Uh, I didn't know they had a new movie. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I, I've seen it. it I was... haven't seen the movie itself, but I've seen the little. Uh, Unimaginably bad. I can't believe I'm blanking on the name. Um, googling. <laughs> <laughs> There's like. Trump. Did it just come out this year? Like you're, you're, you're it's very new. Okay. Let's see. It's 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 uh I, it was the the newest movie by uh, Miyazaki's son, who has directed That's two movies nice. previous to this. Um. And yeah, did the, he do Tales from Earthsea, which I've never seen, but I haven't he heard did. So he had the old worst movie of Ghibli, but this just <laughs> the thing about that movie that was so bad was that your wig and the mediocre. witch. What? Okay. Your wig and the witch. Yes. Okay. Right. So like that movie, if you Tales of Earthsea is like a mediocre movie, which for Ghibli is disappointing because they're usually so good. His other movie, which is like a. Tales from Poppy Sea or something is also it's it's better than Tales from Earth Sea, but it's still like one of the most generic Ghibli movies. This movie is straight up one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Like I couldn't even believe what I was watching. I could like honestly, like, even compared to some of the bad movies we've seen on this podcast, it was just so so bad. So first of all, okay. This is one of the ugliest movies I've ever seen in my entire life, which is crazy because Ghibli is known for like beautiful animation. Mm. But this is like sort of it's 3D animation, which I guess they just can't do well. It looks like a computer game from like the 90s. That's how just like horrendous this looks. It's just just disgusting. Uh, And uh, the 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 movie basically consists of the like. So if you've ever seen Kiki's Delivery Service, mm. right, this was just a, a riff off that, that there's this girl, she has to, like, work hard in, like, this adopted family. The difference between that movie and this movie is that in Kiki's Delivery Service, the – first of all, the work is, like, as involves character progression. Like, she is, like, learning as she does hard work. Also, it's not the entire movie is us watching her do chores. <laughs> 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 This movie, that is all that happens. And as they do chores, they talk about interesting things that are happening elsewhere as they do them. Like, oh, there's this crazy witch war or whatever. Wow. As you will watch her, like, and then, and she doesn't learn anything. 
right? Like from the, the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, she just uh, basically she learns at the very end that she can um, she has like these terrible step parents who are making her do all these chores. And then she's like she figures out if she can compliment them that they're just like really easily flattered. So that once she does that, they'll just do whatever she wants. And at the end, she's like a spoiled kid who just pulling the strings of her. <laughs> that misses the character development. That's, that's the end. But like that happens at the very end. Up until that point, she is just doing work. Like, <laughs> like a really ugly room, like a witch room that just looks horrendous again. And then it's just, it's so, so bad. And then the ending is also one of the most just baffling endings I've ever seen. So nowhere in the entire movie, right, at every point is she, like, looking for her mom because she's an orphan, right? So she's never, like, looking for her mom or, like, talking about how she misses her mom, right? So it has nothing to do with anything in the movie. But in the very, very end, there's, like, a, a doorbell rings. She opens the door, and it's, like, it's her mother. The end. (laughs) <laughs> why <laughs> like what did that have to do with anything like, it was just it was just so like oh man i i can't it's 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 just so so horrendous no one should ever watch it it's not even funny like in a in a bad movie kind of way it's just bad like everything about it is just so so bad i like well, the last i can't even remember the last summer. time i've been like this upset about a movie like uh, maybe the hobbit <laughs> yes, I'll have to go about how much I hate. Why don't you hobby. bring up, bring that up? But uh, this movie was just sometime. awful. It was I, I hated it so much. So yeah, that was that was what I've been watching. <laughs> A little rant. Well, what was it called again? Earwig and the witch. Earwig and the witch. Yep. Even the name is forgettable. <laughs> All right. So. Um, first things first, um, I watched a show that Brayden recommended a little while back. Um, this is the Midnight Gospels, um, which uh, is pretty interesting. Um, I thought that it would be just kind of a podcast, and then they were just animating over the podcast. That's what I, I had sounded like to me before. It's like 80% that. Yeah, and it, there is a big component of that. And so I was surprised that there was so much of a kind of a narrative progression in every single episode through the animation uh, to what they were saying. And they even they even like it sounds like they were dubbing lines lines just so they could tie into occasional observations on things that were happening. Um, it's pretty funny often. Um, uh, but yeah, I was I really liked the whole series. Um, there was one episode in particular that was talking about um, like uh, a Buddhist philosophy and like a very interesting perspective on hope as kind of like a uh, an attachment to be kind of discarded in like in order to reach enlightenment that I thought was very, very fascinating. Um, so I've been thinking about that. Um, I uh, recently rewatched all of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit right next to each other to compare uh, the two. Oh, damn. <laughs> all of them? Huh? Yep. Uh, well, were it was they over. the extended editions? They were not. Uh, it, which is honestly for the best because I have probably seen the extended edition 
of the Lord of the Rings more than I've seen the non-extended version uh, versions. Um, uh, but yeah, um, the seeing them side by side uh, uh, really uh, I, the more I think about it, the more like baffled I get. Like these were the same, almost exactly the same teams working on these films. And then, but one of them includes like a, a rubber bouncy barrel, like yeah. bouncing around. And, like, one of them involves like a, a, a tiny little hobbit guy, like throwing pebbles and just like right. orcs just flying off every time they hit. I'm just wondering where it all came from. Like, I, I don't know. I still think it was fascinating. So, yeah, that's what I, those are the two things I've been watching. I think that's that's what makes me hate those movies so much. See, with Earwig, it was like, this is a Ghibli movie. I held that studio in very, very high esteem. So the fact that you made a movie this bad is like what upsets me. And the Lord of the Rings movies, I think, are some of the greatest movies of all time. And so to follow them up with something that I just, is like a botched roller coaster ride of a movie for nine hours. Is <laughs> so like it's migraine inducing. It's just horrible. It, there's the roller coaster on the on the waterfall, then the roller coaster with the gold, and the roller coaster <laughs> with the wolves, and everything is just like, whoa, what are we doing? It's like camera shaking. Like we don't know. Are we gonna, it's just all so stupid. Like the entire whole. I kind of like that scene. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but well, I, I I like the scene in the same way that I think that I like like Wonder Woman 1984. Like <laughs> it's fun. I'm not saying it's like great, like it's like it's beautiful or anything, but it does make me smile. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, we might have to go more in depth. Uh, with these movies sometime i don't know <laughs> it's been forever since i've seen them though uh, it's actually been several years since i've seen the hobbit movies too actually i've only seen them in theaters so i haven't seen them since well i watched um and this was based off of a red letter media's recommendation because they put out a video on this but i watched the kid detective which um, is fantastic. I loved it. So it's about a guy who, when he was a kid, was a detective. He solved a lot of mysteries and was well-known for that, but now he's older. He's kind of, like, he's just not getting anywhere. Like, he's solving, like, dumb stuff. Like, a woman's like, hey, can you find my cat? Whatever. So just, he's, he's not really getting anywhere, but he's still playing the detective shtick. But then someone comes to him to solve a murder. And that's kind of the direction the movie takes. I uh, you could, I think you could get away with calling it a dark comedy. Um, there's a lot of uh, comedic elements. But then there's also like some pretty intense stuff at times too. But this movie is like right up my alley because it has those... Um, mystery kind of slash norish elements i really like um and it's yeah it's and also the ending is perfect it's one of those movies where like the last like five seconds i will always remember until like the day i die but highly highly recommended the kid detective 
All right. Well, that is our podcast and that's our time. I uh, thank you for listening. And if you liked what you heard, please give us a follow on your uh, service of choice or if you're watching on YouTube, like I think most of our audience probably does, uh, give us a like, subscribe, uh, give us a comment. What do you think about these movies? Is there anything you'd like us to watch in the future? And uh, until next time. Until next time. Goodbye, everybody.